0: Welcome to episode 23 of The Process Redemption.
1: Thank you for being here with me today. Appreciate you for coming. everything mm. for I get... give you all of me? What if I give you all of me? <laughs> to get my blessings time to get my blessings i had to live my life i had to learn my lessons i had to keep that smile but deep inside i'm stressing trying to keep my spirits from that deep depression it's time to tighten up I put my pride down and pick that bible up welcome to episode 23 of the process i am quayvon taylor
0: i am Monte martin today we have Miss bakira shabazz on the podcast welcome to the podcast Bakira thank you Uh, Can you tell the listeners where you're from?
2: Yes, I can. I am from Newport News, Virginia. Born and raised.
0: Born and raised in Newport News, Virginia. Where where is Newport News for for those not familiar with Virginia and Hampton Roads area?
2: Newport News is situated um, between Hampton and Norfolk. It's like right um, underneath Williamsburg which people probably don't know about Williamsburg if they don't know about Newport News, but um, (laughs) it's close to Norfolk. It's about 40 minutes from Virginia Beach. So I'm sure people are familiar with the Virginia Beach area. Norfolk where the um, Naval base is at, we're close there, right across the bridge.
0: Right across the bridge. I spent a little time up there this summer in the 757, uh, what (laughs) what was it like going up there?
1: Oh,
2: for me, I had, a, I had a great childhood growing up in Newport News, but my generation was the last generation to experience what community is. And so if i known that I was gonna be the last of that generation, I think I would've probably um, bottled some of it up to give to some of these children that are are coming up now with the, the lack thereof. And we see the results of not having community in our communities um, You know, through mass incarceration, through broken homes, through, um, crime, poverty, and things like that, so, um, but I had a, I had a great childhood coming up, I was raised in a, um, middle income family, it was just me, my mom, and my grandmother, um, but my, uh, mother always worked on military bases, my dad was military, my stepdad was military, so I kind of moved around a little bit, but, um, it was still downtown newport news so i wasn't um, sheltered from the elements so i got some of some of the common sense the school of high knocks and then i got regular school too so
0: <laughs> so so you were you are you from the east end of newport news
2: yes i am from the east end, 22nd and oh
0: for my generation and younger, what what is community? What do you mean when you say sense of community?
2: Community is when um, everybody in the neighborhood knows one another. And so they are looking out for one another. Um, You don't have to worry about your children um, doing children things, walking to the park, going to the community pools, going to the store. Everybody knew, knew who everybody was. And so if the child got out of line, before that child got home that child was already chastised several times over yes. so you know um it was the village um definition you know um, it took a vi- it takes a village to raise the child and that's what it was the village raised us um there were what we call ogs that that did do their business. Um, however they didn't allow children to come out there and um, hustle and things like that they gave them the game and sent them to school. So we we had our own uh, um, security, if I could say, or policing, and we had um, family all throughout the neighborhood and people were not afraid to say something. They didn't close their blinds or keep a closed mouth. You did something you weren't supposed to do. They was coming and it was a beautiful thing.
0: You're right. Oh, immediately I thought about Aberdeen Garden and the Aberdeen Garden community there in, uh, in Hampton, Virginia. Um, just just the tight-knit community, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think we lost that sense of community? How did we lose that sense of community?
2: I believe police infiltration um, as as with everything that we try to do, tore up communities. Um, when the era of the uh, of youth, when they started to give out astronomical amount of time for um, drug-related crimes, we no longer had people that were our, who we considered security on the blocks, and so um, the blocks were then inhabited by younger and younger people who did not understand principles. Um, Also, police were um, causing families to Tell on one another, which created huge feuds in the communities, and they were um, doing conspiracy charges. Conspiracy was big back then in the in the 80s and in the um, in the 90s, and so it broke up the family structure because they were forcing people to tell, and they would go and tell who told as well. And so when you have that type of uh, mechanism going on in a tight knit community. The only thing that's going to come from that is a sense of betrayal, and rightfully so. But when you're looking at 100 years and not being able to get back out, um, we know the game is to, to um, you know, you do the crime, you do the time, and not to tell. But some brothers, we don't know what they was, what the police were telling them or what they were doing to them because once they get behind closed doors, we don't see that. And so it came out with, you know, coerced stories and, and people telling on one another. And it just tore our community up and we have not been able to recover from it
0: wow so um growing up in newport news let's take us on the path um, what it what was it uh, you said you talked about what it was like um so what was next for you in that that, that high school college age for cure
2: <laughs> um I remember sitting on my porch with um, two of my friends and I saw it was a high speed chase and the police went through my friend's yard to try to get around and catch this person. And I thought that was really just disrespectful Um, that they would drive through somebody's yard who had spent their hard earned money to buy this piece of property. And now, you know, um, the gate is mangled and everything else. And I said, my goodness, what in the world is going on that I'm missing, that I'm not privy to? And I need to be a part of whatever the solution is for what's going on that this is happening. And at that time, I was um, about 13, 14. But I always knew that I wanted to be an attorney early on. I, I had the dream at five. I remember it like it just happened I'll never forget that dream so um however my life didn't kind of pan out that way but um we'll talk about that later um I knew I had to be a part of the system that would help um my community because I saw that it was it was sick and it was not getting any better it was like a cancer that came in for those of you who have experienced cancer and knows how it attacks the body um you know, for some, once the operation is done and the air hits, it completely takes over the body. There's no coming back, and it's and it's done. But luckily for us, we still have time.
1: Take taking me back, um, Mr. Bass. Uh, you talk about you talked about OGS. I mean, that that struck me in a in a in a in a spot right there because I we hear that word a lot, um, especially in, in the inner city, uh. But it's being that there was a disconnect. A lot of OGs have been gone. You know, you probably was the last of that era to know, like, what's an OG? I mean, mm-hmm. and I want to know, like, in your words, what's it? What's the true definition of an OG? Um,
2: <laughs> we knew that the that the OGs were uh, doing some illegal activity, um, to make things happen. But we also knew that they were keeping our community safe and it was like um oxymoron it was a a, a bad good thing so um and they kind of made sure that things didn't get out of hand in the community and so if something was going on we didn't know about it and so they kept the community sheltered and we're not saying that they didn't have major criminal drug operations going on but we were sheltered. The community was sheltered from a lot of that. And I'm I'm speaking in, you know, I was coming from, from Newport News. It wasn't like a New York situation. You go outside and, uh, you know, um, it's a lot of bodies, but it ha- I have seen a body before and grew up during the era where crack was serious and there were syringes on the ground all the time, especially in Woodside Projects, where I spent um, a little bit of my youth and But um, as far as the OGs, they made sure that those children were in school. They made sure that they had lunch. They made sure that their homework was done. They weren't and that children were not disrespectful. And that is is what's gone. It's like everything goes now. That was not what was going on back then.
1: What was a major obstacle you had to uh, overcome growing up in Virginia?
2: Oh, man. Um, Being Black is a major obstacle every day growing up in, um, in Virginia um, being black with a criminal background record is a major obstacle um, to get through continuing to grow up in um, Virginia you'll never stop growing up until you your eyes closed so I'm still growing up um, with every day that the most high gives me I'll, I'll continue to grow up but um, for me Trying to change the narrative that people who are scape are unworthy has been a major obstacle. Um, it's like it's no redemption here, and um, in a in a country where they speak so much about religion, it is just amazing how redemption is left out of all of the conversation. And so, I'm one who believes in um, restorative justice and and redemption. And people can change and do. So, um, trying to get that message out has been a a major obstacle for me.
0: What made you talk about redemption? Have you had any experience with what, what you just talked about?
2: Redemption is important to me because... I always knew there was something special about me. Um, however, coming up, um, kind of not without, you know, not without a father. Um, let me take that back. Without a father. But, but knowing who he was, and he was in close proximity to me, but he raised another woman's children. Um, and being exposed to my stepdad, who I really didn't like, I kind of got involved with somebody that was like seven years my elder, and I was 15, and I ended up getting pregnant by this person and had a baby at 16 years old. Uh, mind you, my dream was to be an attorney. So now I had to, to become a mother, which was never in my plan, um, being an honor student. And um, you know, on the path to to these big things that I wanted to do for myself, this road that I had to now go down just was something that was unfamiliar. So I had to learn how to navigate. Um, speeding up to 21, I ended up marrying that man, had another child, left him, or because he was abusive, and um, he would not help me. So I ended up getting them, meeting these Colombian guys who introduced me to white collar crime. And so um, long story short, that became my career after I had one uh, minor run in with the um, law that um, caused me to have a misdemeanor on my record at 18. So um, I had to do something and this white collar crime brought in a lot of money, a lot of money. And I promised my children they would never have to want for anything or feel indifferent um or have to go through just being homeless or anything like that so I did provide a a very good life for my children um you know being involved in white collar crimes and um luckily I never got caught in the thick of that behavior but i had a couple of run-ins but um through those run-ins i had to learn the law because a smart criminal better know the law to what they're doing so they can be able to maneuver in the system not manipulate but maneuver through the system and that is what um uh turned me down a different road that caused me to really have to know the law for myself. Then going to court and seeing, sitting in courtrooms and seeing what was happening to other people, something else turned in me and I'm like oh my goodness, I have to be able to start helping people to learn the law or at least know where you need to go to be able to help yourself in these situations because people were helpless even with an attorney. Attorneys were getting over the system was straight raping people. And I don't care what you did, you do not deserve to be raped by the system. And so um, I started to learn the law, started helping people. And um, that fast forward to now, um, it took me 20 years from the age of 18 to get out of all the little troubles that I had been in. I had my last court date about three months ago after trying to get out of the system for all of this time and trying to prove myself worthy to others because I've always been smart. But nobody wants to listen to people that come from my side of the tracks. People don't want to listen to people like me. And when I say like me, I'm saying that are going to really address the issue whether you like it or not. You know, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to make a system that is equitable for all people. And people don't like that because people are busy making friends and it's in these systems and things like that they want to get the the boat houses. they want to get the endorsements they want to get i don't care about none of that because i ate noodles for a long time so steak don't bother me when you tell me i can't have i like noodles so um poverty taught me a lot and, and i'm thankful for the poverty experience because it, it showed me that i don't ever have to be those people that look down on people like me so um that was a little bit of what all I've been through and what brought me up to now and I have my own consulting firm um doing a, a lot of great things um and I'm just looking for redemption myself still you know the most high is not finished with me and um I feel like um back then when I was in it I was like Robin Hood I um Never um, did anything against any person. But big corporations I got, I did. And I would go and make sure my community was straight. So, you know, it is what it is.
1: So, Mr. Bass, um yes. with, with all you've been through, what keeps you so uh, focused and motivated?
2: Because there's other people out there like me. And I got to pave the way so that they can come up and share their stories as well. Transparency is the soul's healer. Carrying these bags on your back is heavy. I carried these bags for a long time trying to um, impress people who I really shouldn't have been trying to impress. Like, who are they? I know what I bring to the table and I know what most of the other ones bring to the table and it is nothing compared to what I bring. And so I know people who have been through the struggle know how to make it. And so to cast them out and and to act like you're better than them when we got a whole country that's run by a bunch of people with a lot of degrees and supposed to be smart, but our country is in disarray. It's because they don't connect with people who know how to get through some shit excuse my language
1: so Mr. Bad our podcast is called uh, The Process Podcast what does the process or trust in the process mean to you?
2: that's a good question because I suffered with low self esteem for a long time because of the choices that I made And it wasn't until last year that it dawned on me that the choices that I made were choices that I made because of my economical status. It wasn't choices that I made because I had it and just wanted to do that. You know, that wasn't the case. Um, And so through bashing myself, I had to realize that um, that was not the right thing to do. And And I was worthy. And I... Deserve to be redeemed and other people needed to hear my story and so if I kept it in and carried those bags without letting the things out of the bag how am I going to help somebody else and so thinking back to me wanting to be an attorney (laughs) that's what I am I am the attorney right now I didn't need to go to school I needed to go through what I went through so that I can help the people that I need to help because the lawyer is not gonna do it. The lawyer can't do it because he's bound by the bar. I don't what I thought I did because I didn't know then what I know now. I would never attorney. Ever. And so you gotta trust the process, even if you don't understand why you're going through all of these things. You feel like, oh my goodness, God, it forsakes me. No. That ain't what it is. You're just getting scrubbed to be polished, to be what you need to be. And I I couldn't be happier with myself. I walk around with my head up with all my little misdemeanors. Because if it wasn't for those experiences, I couldn't help nobody.
0: My my favorite scripture is Philippians 1.12, I say it's all the time. It's everything that has happened to me has happened to advance the gospel. You know, um, and I believe that we go through certain things, as you stated, to help those who are going through similar situations. And the only reason that we can empathize with those individuals is because we stood in their shoes. Okay. What advice would you give to someone who, you know, may have misdemeanors who's trying to reacclimate themselves to uh, "Quote unquote society," um, but they, they they just can't they can't uh, cope with that person in the mirror.
2: <laughs> Call me. <laughs> um, um, you know, it took a long time for me to 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 love myself after society had beat down who they said that I was. But when you create the definition for yourself, it don't matter what they say no more. You got to trust and believe in your own self because if you don't, nobody else is and nor should they. So you got to be your biggest fan.
1: You hit a lot of spots with me because, you know, I've been incarcerated as well myself. Uh, I was young, you know, had to make a way for myself. Mm-hmm. And I understand, you know, I understand. And and through that process, you know, I was forced at 17, 18 years old to go to trial. You know, that was one of the scariest times of my life. I mean, right. going to trial. I mean, when the, when the judge told me, you know, I'm offering you 30 years. If you uh lose this trial, you know, I'm going to give you a life sentence. And, you know, I had to weigh that on my, on my, uh, on my brain, you know, 30 years. I'm going to sign for 30 years right now. Or, you know, I'ma take it to trial and possibly catch a life sentence. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It was just something in me that, you know, I couldn't sign for 30 years. And you know, by the grace of God, you know, I went to trial and you know, God brought me home. And you know, man, you just you just hit a spot with me. I mean, I I, I wanna I mean I wanna talk, but you know, I you, you touched me, you touched me, you touched me. <laughs> I just wanna let you know who I am a little bit, you know. And you know, from that yeah. from that experience in my life, you know, uh I've been scratch and scrape mm-hmm. uh, after my situation. I came home. Um, I was able to go to college. Go back to college, you know, Tuskegee. I'm a junior. I had a couple stops, and you know, I'm keep. I'm keeping it moving. I'm keeping it moving now. I'm, I'm in my junior year. You know, I got one more year left. You know, I mean, just hearing you talk, man, it's just motivation. That's, I mean, it is an it is
2: an emotional thing. That 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 system. Um, I remember when I went in and I had to, I was in awaiting a bond and they, and I did, I was in there for 31 days Um, and mind you, I'm the sole provider for for my children and um, when I went in at the time, I I had just had a baby not too long ago and I was still breastfeeding and they pulled my baby um, from me and took me to the back and it was one of the most humiliating feelings ever. And the fact that my baby had to um, be forced to, um, you know, not be breastfed anymore and basically go into um, eating regular food in that manner was inhumane. And then the things that I saw in the jail, um, and I was in Hampton I I was in Chesterfield and I went to um, Newport News, and then I they transferred me to Hampton Roads Regional, and it is absolutely ridiculous. Um, and those places are not places for um, punishment, uh, they are places for psychological mind control and manipulation. Um, and I, for one, am a champion that for anybody that wants to go into law enforcement, they should have to randomly be chosen. Um, at some point in their career, to go in for an unspecified amount of time to see what they're doing to people. Um, jail is no joke. You know, everybody doesn't deserve to go to jail. Driving under suspension should not be a jailable offense. Um, Speeding—I don't care how many times you just sped—should not be a jailable offense. Child support should not be a jailable offense, especially if you haven't been, um, been, you know, afforded due process. Um, there's a lot of things that people are going to, to jail for that they, that, that, you know, it, it just doesn't make any sense because of the psychological trauma that comes along with that. Um, and just for 31 days, I have been mentally battling with what I call reverse abandonment issues. When I left my children, um, it, it did something to me. It It did something to me. And I don't like to be I love my children but I don't want to be close close with them cuz I don't know when them people are coming again. And even though I haven't done anything, I'm they have like kind of psyched my mind some kind of way cuz you don't have to do anything for the police to come for you. And so that attachment that I once had with my children um has been destroyed because they they separated me just to play a game. And so I don't I just I, you know, I just can't, I don't even know how to describe it is that bad. So I can imagine what people that have to do longer than that go through, um, or even just one day, you know, um, it's, 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 it's a, it's just a horrible experience and I hate reliving it. It makes me angry. You know, it makes me sad. It, it, it just thinking about what my children had to go through for them 31 days and I'm still trying to handle all the business through the phone calls. My daughter was in college. My other children were in high school. My little one was in elementary and the baby was sick. And I have a disabled child. All of them just be playing games. You know, um, it's just, you know, it's 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 horrible.
0: That's tough. Um so so what do you do today? Uh what work are you involved in uh today?
2: Um, I'm still doing criminal justice reform work. Uh, also, I'm doing an um, economical environmental justice work um, with the Virginia Environmental Justice Collaborative through First Alliance Consulting, which is my consulting group. Um, I, I felt the need to have to um, require the change of the definition of environmental justice to encompass everything that someone goes through. Uh, White people have been able to manipulate through um, defining things that um, makes them the the savior. And it keeps a lot of people out as well. So when environmental justice was basically anything to deal with um, what they consider to be environment, whether it be um, air pollution, water pollution, um, coal ash, landfills, things like that. But what is truly an environmental justice includes so much more than that. It includes being able to find and keep work. It includes having access to affordable healthcare, housing, education. All of those things are a component of your environment. So anything within someone's environment, if someone is keeping them from being able to thrive, that's an environmental injustice. When someone is is um, being a proponent of championing someone to thrive in those areas, then that is an environmental justice. So I am moving forward through First Alliance to make sure that people understand the difference and now adopt our new different definition for um, environmental justice, so that um, people of color will be able to better maneuver in these systems and get the things done that they need done in their communities.
1: So, who is Bakura Shabazz today, and what advice would you give to your younger self?
2: Bakura Shabazz today is a goddess. Um, I am a, I am a. A song to a dope beat. <laughs> I have everything. And my advice to my younger self um, would be to trust the process.
0: Why would it be trust the process?
2: Why would it be trust? Because I didn't trust the process. I was a wreck. I, I I really wanted to be what I thought I wanted to be. I didn't know that this system was a demonic system that would have ate me up I wouldn't have been able to do anything that I wanted to do I would have been somebody I would have been more of a slave than I ever thought I would have been once you sign that contract and say you want to be a member to X system, bar association they control you the bar has three components Your, your first obligation is to them Then it's to the court. Then it's to your client. What kind of newfangled crap is that? Especially if you're getting paid. Your first obligation should always be to your client. But that's not how our system works. So I would have never been able to be a part of that. So I got to trust the process that I would have been bigger than what I wanted to be. I'm bigger than what I thought I wanted to be even not having all the things that I wanted to have materialistically. I am bigger now than ever. I'm larger than life. An attorney was thinking small.
0: Going back to, in the beginning when we are talking about community, and you know, it's, it's taking a village. And you talked about, you know, kind of what's, what's tearing our community apart or what has torn our community apart. But, what do you think is needed within the black community to unify or to bring us together?
2: Um, back in 2012, I ran for city council um, in the city of Newport News, East End. And I had um, community pride day and I had challenged people to get out and do um, one block at a time. Get to know who your neighbors were. And so the the, the challenge was is that um, you would get to know everybody on the front of your block. You would go and knock on the door, introduce yourself, um, and if you felt inclined, exchange phone numbers and let your neighbor know that you are there for them. That was that was the assignment. Then. Um, Within the second week, you needed to go around the other side of your block till eventually you got your four corners covered. And you were to encourage everybody else to do that until it became full circle. Now you got a whole block that is responsible to and for one another. And so if everybody did that, we would start to foster in that community again because now we're saying we're going to be accountable to and for one another and for what happens in our community um, then you got to start to tackle your systems. you got to go to your city council meetings you got to be a part of the general assembly that convenes a very short amount of time um, every year um, you got to know who your legislators are and you got to start to, to put people in place when these people are not doing what they're supposed to be doing for your community. You can't keep voting them in. That's not what's going to work. You have to be responsible to and for your communities. So when people start to get to know one another again and start talking and shaking hands, then you can start to rebuild what has been lost. If you have wronged your brother in any kind of way, you need to go to your brother or your sister and tell him you apologize and ge- be genuine with it. We gotta stop taking up the agenda of the enemy. We can't continue to kill one another. That is absolutely, that should be a no-no, period. I ain't saying you can't fight, but don't kill your brother and your sister, period. That's not a cause we should be taking up. That is the enemy's cause. We already got enough enemies killing us. We can't subscribe to that. So we gotta have also mechanisms that um, will... Hill and for places to go, people to go when there is a community dispute. You know, um, we just got to make sure that we have those things in place and a lot of that stuff doesn't take any money whatsoever. All it takes is a willing body and we got to take the time to do that. Sometimes we can't go to the alley. Sometimes we can't go to wherever the next club is or whatever. We got to focus on our community. We got to put that first sometimes because it's our babies that's going to be in them streets, that's going to get riddled with bullets, and then you're going to be crying and wanting everybody to do something now because it's you. We got to take a proactive approach, not a reactive one, but a proactive one. And I think that will be the beginning of solving a lot of our problems. We got to learn to love again. We've been, we've been destroyed mentally and we know this and so being that we know this knowing is half the battle doing is the other half so we got to start doing better we got to be like we're not going to continue to let the powers that be continue to control our movements we got to start loving one another again
1: so Ms. Shabazz you talked about systems in your opinion why is voting so important
2: I'm going to tell you about voting I'm going to start with local local um, elections. Voting is important in local elections because that is the election where your vote actually does count. There is no electoral college. So how many other votes that person get? That is who the winner is. That means that your vote gets tallied and gets counted. It doesn't go to somebody else and you're suggesting that you vote for such and such. Your vote is actually mattering in your local elections, be it Commonwealth attorney, clerk of court, um, city council, um, your your delegates, your board of supervisors, or whatever you may have in your jurisdiction, your vote actually counts. So you got to make sure that you're getting people in office that have the same values that you have. That's why it matters, because if you do not get out and vote for those people and the wrong person gets in, and starts making changes that are um, indifferent to what you believe in, then you stop until the next election. But there's also ways that you can move forward before the election, but we don't have that much time to be talking about that. But we do need to educate ourselves on processes such as um, breach of contract. Every office is a contracted office. If you don't do what you said that you was going to do, that's a breach. That is grounds to get you up out of there. You cannot lie to the people and say you're going to do this, this, that, and the third on your platform and get in there and do something else. That is a breach. And people don't know about that. We also need to be um, um, educated on impeachment when people get in the office and take advantage of the people. The Constitution says in the beginning, we the people, most people think the highest office of government is the president. It's not. We the people is the highest office of the president, uh, uh, highest office of government because it is us who decides everything. And so if we want something gone, we got the right to get it gone. If we don't, then we keep it. But when we don't act, that's when your representatives act for you. You're high when you when you cash your ballot, you're saying, hey, I want you to act in my best interest. So we got to make sure that they're acting in our best interest. If they don't, that's breach. We want them out of there. Now, federal elections is something different. I'm mad as I don't know what about federal elections because we have an electoral college. And so what that means is that when you cast your ballot, you cast a ballot for another person to to, um, vote in the way that the majority of the population is saying, we want you to vote. But what people don't know is that that person still maintains their right to vote in whichever way they want to. So even if you have a hundred people that say vote for blue, if he don't want to work for vote for blue, he got a right to vote for red, and there's no consequences behind that. And so, for me, for federal elections, I think we need to do away with the electoral college um, and find another system that is that is better suited to um, actually count our votes and for our votes to really be counted. But what we don't want to do is get into a situation where people are saying, oh, we just want every vote to be counted individually. We can't do that because some states are bigger. Some states have a whole bunch of people that don't get down with some other states. So we want to make sure that we're we're really careful with what we ask for. But I do not think the electoral college is the best way. If anything, I think it needs to be modified where that person that has to cast that vote has to cast the vote that the people say that he needs, he or she needs to cast. And then I kind of be all right with that at that point.
0: Aside from, aside from voting in the local elections, um, for some individuals you know we live in low com- low income households and sometimes it's, it's just so hard to pay attention like it's just so hard to focus on anything that's going on outside of your household but what advice would you give to someone to be more involved in local elections and things that are going on in their community
2: well city council meetings and school board meetings are all recorded live and they show on TV so if you miss one you can um, always see it, and then um, if you have any issues, you can write, you know, um, your concerns to whomever um, is head of that that um, committee or chair um, to get your concerns addressed. And um, it, it is a lot, but my my thing is just do whatever it is that you can do. If you got thirty minutes a month use that 30 minutes a month that's better than no minutes a month so people say oh i can't do you you know they get overwhelmed the amount of work but just 30 minutes is a lot when people are not given any time at all so those things add up so don't you know beat yourself up because you don't have a lot of time to do some things you know some things is just as simple as sending out letters or making phone calls or um, signing a petition you can do all of those things that don't take a lot of time. Um, it can be help fundraising. You know those are a lot of things that we can do that we don't think about that don't take a whole whole lot of time.
0: So you just hit on you know how we can get more involved in our local elections and in our, in our community as it relates to like city council meetings. Um, but it seems that it's always a finger or the onus is always put on the person in the community. So we're, we're broke because it's our fault. You know what I'm saying? The schools in our community are doing a good job at educating us because it's our fault. And also you hear the the, the argument that our music, the music that we play is the reason why we are killing each other, the reason we act a certain way. Uh, what do you think about that?
2: Um, I think I, 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 I toggle back and forth with that question. Um but as I listen to some of the rap, um, and I'm not talking about the the entertainment, I think entertainment rap where they're saying that they did this, that, and the third and they didn't, is absolutely ridiculous and, and they need to get out of here because um it's a lie. And um you have children that want to follow in the footsteps not knowing that it's a lie. But when you listen to people who actually been through some situations and did some of these things and 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 backs were up against the wall. I'll say boosie for one. Um you know it's that freedom of expression and, and 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 even though I can't relate to um a lot of the things I can feel his pain. I've I've been one of the women I've sold drugs. I've done some of all of that stuff. Um But from a man's point of view and having to go through those things um, to bar them from that freedom of expression, I don't want to do. It's art um, and it's beautiful. Uh, I just think that we have to make sure that we are responsible with our children and, and explain to them the difference between entertainment and real life. Because the rappers that lived this life and went through this, it was not entertainment. And you don't hear them rapping about it like it was the best thing in the world. It was, it was what they had to do to get by in those situations. We, you know, want to place blame on the music, but what are we telling our children? When you had the music raising your child, then I guess you would want to place blame on somebody other than yourself. But I think people should be embracing that art of music and sitting down with their children and discussing what they're listening to. Open up up their minds to, to different concepts, to different situations, to different experiences, to different feelings about what other people have went through. That is what humanity is all about. To shut out rap would be to shut out a part of humanity. I can't subscribe to that. And I also can't subscribe to blaming music. Because if we're going to blame rap, we got RB out there too. Why our children ain't out there loving on one another? So, um, for me, it comes from the home. You know, I can't place blame on somebody else that don't know my children, has no interaction besides when they turn a the knob and the music come out. If your children act out, it's because of some other things.
0: So what does it mean to be a freedom fighter?
2: <laughs> um, for me, I remember when I first got that put on my license plate. And this this young lady uh, who was kind of rough around the edges, who I love to death, um, she, that's what she called me. And, and up until this day, when she sees me, she knows my name is Bekira, but she's like, you are gonna be Freedom Fighter forever. Um, because I see you out here and you you hold no bars. So she calls me freedom fighter. For me, what that means is is to be willing to be the sacrifice um in pursuit of justice by any means necessary. I remember watching um the documentary on Winnie Mandela, who is my greatest heroine. I love her with all of the fabric of my being. And I watched her moves and she was um, freedom to me personified. Um, She did whatever, whatever she felt necessary to push the agenda. Now some may argue that some of the methods she took were not in the best interest, but we also gotta understand that um, all the war is fair. So if there's somebody that is um, gonna implicate the movement, they gotta go whether they eight or eighty. And that's that's just real. And I I honestly believe that. To me, it means being the ultimate sacrifice. Pushing for justice by any means necessary.
1: How could I be a freedom fighter?
2: You gotta understand what that means. That means you're not gonna be invited to the table. That means you just show up at the table. And if you gotta kick that, sh- if you gotta kick the table over, then you kick the table over. But um, you're not gonna be invited. You're not gonna be the people's favorite. You're not going to be the person that um, the elite people call. But you will be the person that the community calls and respects. So you got to be willing to give up all the things that you were saying that you know you probably wanted to be a part of. Because I remember wanting to be a part of. Um, I, I used to go to the to the <laughs> to all these like little functions with with Congress and. I was taking pictures with, you know, delegates and congressmen and big wigs and things like that. And I was like, okay, I made it. But I hadn't. And so those are the things that, you know, most people feel like they need to move further. Those are the things you're going to have to sacrifice. But I still show up. They're going to see one day that my services are beyond price.
0: You were saying you got in those, those those places with the big wigs, and you thought you had made it. But usually, some people when they get in those places, they become silent. And one thing, one quote that stands out to me is uh, Martin Luther King when he said, "Our lives begin to end the day we begin to be silent about the things that matter." So how did it, how do you find your voice within those spaces when you feel like you've arrived?
2: Um, when I got into the professional um, space of activism it was different but I've always had the same client base which was the community so this has never been about me it has always been about the people and so those things didn't deter me and those and, and that's me moving the way I did actually got me ousted as well I was a liability to these systems because when something doesn't work to me, as you've seen, I say it. I'm not going to sit here and do 4,000 conference calls all day when we got people out here dying and hunger. Why are we doing this? And they don't like that. And so quickly, <laughs> I, I learned that that was not the place for me. And other people learned that, too. I, th- I think that people thought that um, I was going to be able to be broken. Uh, they <laughs> I felt like they brought in the little ghetto girl from downtown Newport News as a token, and that they were going to be able to change who I am.
1: I ain't changing.
2: <laughs> I cannot change.
1: What programs and initiatives do you think should be in place for the youth to help them see a better way?
2: Well, for me, um, I don't feel like you can start necessarily with the youth. You need to start with the parents. And the reason why I say that, because if you you bring the youth up and leave their parents, that's going to create a system of chaos, because then the youth is going to feel like they have outgrown their parents. And we can't have a system where you feel like they can be disrespectful because they know more or have done more or feel like they've seen more. So you got to get the parents first. And then you bring in the whole family unit. And so when there is a child that is acting out, um, we want to start with what's going on with, with the house and what's going on with the mom, dad, you know, whatever. What can, what can I do? Whether it be mentoring or coming in and helping them, you know, some of the times they may be struggling you know within a relationship arguing a lot around a child or whatever um so we have to to, to be able to be um family minded when we are um seeking after the children because we got to keep in mind that no matter what we give a child a child is still a child and so if we give them too much power that's a bad thing so we want to be balanced so um, if we're going to work with the children, we got to make sure that we're not leaving out the mom and dad or whomever is the guardian of the child.
0: Are there any lasting words you want to leave with the listeners?
2: Um, just to just to, um, I got something that I want to say that we didn't even address yeah. and um, this is for people that I are dealing with addiction um you know we didn't we didn't get to touch on brown mental health which is totally different from um white mental health uh but we i've I've seen an epidemic of of people children being addicted to drugs and it's and it's breaking um my heart and i'm just i just want to make a a plea that um that they dig deep inside themselves and, and try to find whatever self they got left to um hold on to and to kick those habits because that thing that was brought into our communities to take over is is what's still taking over our minds and our families and um, I'm just needing them to, to try to reach out for some help, some kind of way to get over that addiction. And um, I'm always here and available. Um, have somebody that's going through that right now. And I just, you know, it's just it just pains
0: me. So where could, you know, our listeners find you? You know, if they need advice or want to talk about anything that you talked about on the podcast.
2: I am on Facebook, um, Bakira Walea Shabazz Branch. I am on Instagram at one, the number one, First Alliance. And um, my email address is First Alliance Consulting at gmail.com.
0: This concludes episode 23 of The Process. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and to like us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Thank you. chanting, trust, trust the process. Trust the process. Trust the process.
1: I think the main thing for me was trying to decide on who am I and like what I want to be how I want to be remembered like that was my thing you know oftentimes I think about like my legacy and like the mark that I want to leave not only on the industry but the effect that I want to leave on people being a whole human being going through my obstacles going through the things that I'm going through and not to only broadcast these things but for it to inspire change